leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Today, we have an amazing, another amazing guest, um, Megan. She is a teacher turned cybersecurity analyst, and I think her story has been intriguing. Uh, we connected on LinkedIn several months ago, and it's definitely a story that I wanted to feature as soon as she made it into the industry, and she has done just that uh, through some amazing persistence and perseverance. And um, well, I want to introduce you to Megan and she can share more of her story. Sure. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate being here and the work that you do with this show. So um, I just wanted to share that like, it's really something that you know, anyone can do, there's, you know, several different ways to make it into the industry. Um, and so previous to this, I was a STEM educator teaching 11th and 12th graders, 17 to 18 year olds, uh, computer science and engineering, and I'd always loved technology. And so I just decided, you know, about four years ago, I think this is really a, a change I want to make. And I want to be doing the work instead of teaching about it. And what would that be like? How would I do that? And just one step after another. And yeah, here I am. And now I am a cyber threat intelligence analyst and get to do a lot of research and help out um, with people being proactive with their cyber posture. Wow. So it's been a four-year journey. Yeah, yeah, it has. So um, it's definitely been something that, um, you know, if you're already in a career and you want a career pivot, I, I didn't want to take that lightly. Um, I knew the work that I did was was valuable and I was good at it. And so mm -hmm. it was a, a hard decision. Uh, and then bit after bit, I decided that, you know, one of the things I need to do is leave this stealth mode that I've been in where I have been behind the scenes and just, you know, liking a post or that kind of thing and start getting much more involved in the community. And I, I finished a degree and um, it then, you know, started applying for things and did a lot of networking and here I am. Yeah, we're, we're going to definitely get into all those details. I think um, where we like to start is, so you were teaching STEM. Does, does that mean that you were 
always interested in cybersecurity or you were more interested in teaching to begin with? Yeah, I, I feel like it was more interest in technology. So mm -hmm. I've, I've always loved tech. I, I like to figure out how things worked. Growing up, I would help my family with, you know, oh, this thing broke. Can you help fix it? Or, you know, we have a, a new software we have to use at work. And I would help my mom like with um, different things. And so I feel like that was always something I was doing. And I like to take things apart and figure out how they work. So kind of a, um, you know, like a little bit of a breaker space. And so I actually, in my um, duties as a teacher, I set up both having a maker and a breaker space where we would is, um, you know, I would facilitate the students being able to look at like, okay, well, let's actually look at the capacitors. Let's look at the resistors. Let's see where everything is. And because we can see where everything is kind of like under the hood, mm -hmm. um, we can actually have a better understanding of how it works. And um, for our mechanical engineering, I actually had a skit an engine and we took it apart and looked at the um, hydraulic press parts to it. And so then you can actually really visualize, oh, these are how all these things work. So I've always loved kind of getting my hands on um, with different pieces of tech. And so then I decided, well, if I like technology, what might I want to do within technology? Well, I, I like data. I like to help other people. Um, I kind of like this idea of like defense protect. So it seemed like cybersecurity within technology was a really good fit for that. And then I decided, okay, well, cybersecurity is huge. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what, what do you do within that? And so I um, did a little bit of thinking. Um, it took a lot of different um, chances and experimentation with things, took a lot of different classes and attended a lot of the sand summits too, because they have such a variety. And so I found that really helpful for different exposure to fields within cybersecurity. And so that's how I kind of decided upon like the intelligence side of things, the there's so much data that's out there. And so how can we effectively analyze it in a way that it is bite-sized is approachable for people. And, and then it helps them um, do better at what they're trying to do. Wow, wow. Um, we have Sarah Race in the audience. She's saying um, she was waiting for another teacher transition interview. Um, having worked with her, she's also very passionate about getting teachers specifically into technology. So um, she's excited to see this. So let's talk about the self-discovery process, because I feel like that is very much overlooked. And um, how would you break down that process for individuals that hadn't thought about it before so that they can do that exploration? Yeah, and I think it's a really important part of the process because like I was saying earlier, it's such a huge field. So I, I'm a big fan, and you've probably seen this before, of the visual that's domains of cyber. Um, mm -hmm. And so you have like a word bubble, essentially. And if you search that, um, you'll you'll find out there was a 2.0 design and a 3.0 design that just came out. Um, and so I, I do like that visual quite a bit. And I think a lot of it is trying to approach everything with a sense of curiosity because you don't know what you're going to like or enjoy until you've tried it. And so both going going at things with a sense of curiosity but then also you have to steal yourself a little bit because there's going to be so much that you don't know. So you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. And then you need to figure out a way that works for you as the individual to take note of that. So for me, I did journaling and I did like reflections on different experiences I would have. And I just did like a very short note of what did I enjoy? 
what was kind of boring to me. That's what I paid a lot of attention to. If it was like, ah, this is, this is not my jam. Like I, I do like understanding networking and setting up networks, but it was not that interesting to me. And so I was like, okay, network administration, network security is not going to be the forefront of what I want to do. I think it is foundational to understand mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's the backbone of so many different things. But it was it was not something that really like grabbed me. Um, and then versus for me, I was like, oh, cloud configurations and how things can be set up more securely with that. That was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about just I, I like to research. So mm -hmm. data points and how I could use those to help other people. Um, so I, I think for someone just thinking through what do you like, what do you gravitate towards? And then trying to have as much as possible different types of experiences and speaking to different people. So like you and I mm. met through LinkedIn because I reached out to you and said, hey, um, Alexander Blanc recommended I talk to a variety of different people. And he said, you were one of the great people to speak with. Would you mind having like a 15 minute virtual coffee chat? And the same thing with Alexandra, like he and I met in that way too. So like I would just talk to people and say, hey, is there anyone else you'd recommend I talk to at the end? But it, like they're short conversations. A lot of times I was asking people like, what do you do within cybersecurity? How did you get to where you are? What are some of the things that you really enjoy? And I found that really helpful for myself because I got to hear so many different people's stories. And that's part of what you do with the show too, right? You're sharing people's stories and how they got to different places. And it's not that you need to find a story to imitate, but it can be helpful to find, oh, these are what some different people tried. Let me try that. And then you figure out what your own path is within the different things you learned. Absolutely. And that, that's one of the things that I recommend because, for example, being a SOC analyst, that's not something for everyone. Like if you can't sit there and uh, sort through logs, triage through logs and find out the important parts of it, you're going to hate being a SOC analyst. And for me, like that was something I didn't want to do. Um, so I interviewed individuals, understood what their day to day was, what they what they did at work. And I, I ruled out like that as a as a, a type of role that I wanted to take. Same thing for programming. Um, when I did my master's, I had to do a Java class and I absolutely hated it. I mean, I could cobble together it to pass, but um, it, it's not something that I love. Um, so any role that involved coding as a requirement, I, I don't consider. Now, will I pull together some code to make my job easier? Yeah, I will. I'll Google something. I'll, I'll bring something together. But it's to make it easier and not be required. Um, in regards to your informational interviews that, that you did, outside of asking them for their role, what else do you look for in those informational interviews? Yeah, so I would frequently ask people, you know, what are some of the ways that you got to where you are? Uh, and then I would also ask people, you know, is there anything that you see currently happening in InfoSec and cybersecurity that you think is a really interesting trend? Because I thought that was interesting to get different people's takes on, you know, what is very important. And, and everyone had different answers, um, but it just kind of gave you like another thing to look out for and keep an eye on. And then I would sometimes ask, um, and, and I felt like I played this by ear, depending on how the conversation was going, but I would sometimes ask, you know, if you were just starting out for the first time in industry, just like how I am, what is some advice that you would give yourself 
yourself from back then mm-hmm. from yourself now, knowing what you know now? Yeah, that that's, uh, for me, I think my career advice would have been um, to create a project-like approach. Um, and it's one of the tips that I actually give out, like start with the end in mind, uh, create milestones, but also be flexible along the way. And it sounds like you've you've done exactly that. You you said you're interested in cybersecurity, potentially defense with data, and then you, you started experimenting along the way. So perfect example of that. Um, with regards to some of the, the sand summits and the different exposures that you have, what other areas did you find attractive your your personality type or that would be good for teachers that um wanted to explore but um might not have considered it yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to an earlier point you just made and then i'll come back to that i I loved how you talked about having some sort of project because i think it's so important to have a proof of concept because especially as someone who did a career pivot or if you're just starting and you're fresh out of some sort of studies um and you're not doing career pivot either way you don't have any proof of what you know, and you don't have a prior job in cybersecurity. So what are some ways that you can get some things that you can show, okay, I do know this, this, and this. I've spoken at this conference, or I've um, I've collaborated with someone on a white paper, or I've you know done something. So some sort of way that you can have something that is attached to your name that shows that you have some knowledge on something. I think it's really, really important. <laughs> Um, And then for your question about the sand summits, some different things I found interesting. Um, So I really liked, um, and I still do like, and and this ties into what I'm doing also, OSINT, so open source Mm -hmm. intelligence. Uh, And so I enjoy that gathering of information. And I think teachers are excellent at that because they need to have so many different resources and creativity and lesson planning. And so all of that ties in very nicely to researching. Another role that I found of interest was GRC. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is governance. um, And so really what you're taking a look at is, you know, what are the regulations, what different things need to happen um, from a uh, standpoint of looking at legalities as well as um, just standardizations. And so do you maybe need to do an audit for a certain framework? And so I think once again, teachers are really good at Um, taking on a bunch of different data points and then summarizing that and looking for patterns and what fits and what doesn't fit. And so GRC lends itself to that really well. If you had more of a um, technical background, which which I did have like a semi-technical background because I was doing the STEM education, you might then find, you know, you really do like coding and maybe you want to do something like um, DevSecOps. And so you want to look at how can we secure coding and have um, things shifted left um, so that it's secure by design. So that could be of really great interest. Um, but even if you don't have a technical b- background, if you find out that's what you're interested in, you can build those skills. So I, I really do consider, um, and I have a lot of teacher friends, that most teachers who are really effective at their work are constant learners because things are changing and new things are being thrown at you. You know, hey, there was this um, pandemic that started in 2020 and hey, you need to start teaching in a completely different way right away <laughs> in, in two weeks, right? And so incredibly flexible and adaptive um, people that are educators. And so because of that, because of that skill set, uh, they are often able to pivot into different situations in different ways, almost on a dime. Um, it's like it's just such a very fast, quick pivot. 
And I find that that flexibility is going to lend itself into all sorts of different roles and continual learning, no matter what you want to do within cybersecurity. I love that almost everything that you mentioned outside of coding are all soft skills, um, which are really the hardest ones and that the curiosity, the research, and those are the types of things that individuals doing a career pivot or transitioning often forget to highlight on their resume or when they're talking to an employer of how their transitional skills can help them in a different way. And that that's often very critical to highlight. How, how did you do that in some of your interviewing? Yeah, so I think part of it was actually even like a pre-interview thing. So a lot of the times before you are doing the formal interview, you are already being interviewed. So what is out there about you on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on different social media? So like, I, I don't have all the social media. So, mm -hmm. so um, I, those are the two I kind of focused on. And so on my LinkedIn page, you can go to my project section and see different talks I've given. And so I had already been speaking for years as an educator um, at different conferences, but as an educator, you're also speaking publicly every single day. And so that's a skill set, uh, being able to publicly present, share information, break it down into pieces. And so what I did was I decided to, um, yeah, I, I agree with Sarah, make big decisions very, very quickly. <laughs> um, so what I decided to do is, you know, think about how could I actually present at a cybersecurity conference? And how could I share out some of the things that I'm doing? And so I took a chance and I applied in um, March. Yes, um, I, I probably applied in January or February um, as the conference was in March to Day of Security. And I thought about, well, the one thing I could really share about right now, um, because I hadn't switched into industry yet, was I could share about my journey. I could share about what I was doing, what were some of the things I was thinking through, and I could take questions on that. And so I gave a talk on that. And I felt that that then was something, because it was recorded, I could post on my LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And that starts to speak for itself because then you start having this body of work, proof of concept, right? That you can present, you can speak publicly. And then people can think about like, oh, okay, I can imagine Megan doing this role or that role because she's speaking to this. And then some of the other things that I started to do were um, – you know, thinking about different conferences I could connect with. But I think some of the ways that you show these skills when you're interviewing are also how you prepared for the interview. Did you do research on the organization? Do you have questions for them that are meaningful? And maybe you even are very, very closely listening during the interview and you take something that was stated by one of the interviewees and you frame that into a question. And so that's going to show your listening skills it's going to show that you are um, really able to reformat something in real time and respond to it. So I think those are all ways that you can showcase these different skills. And being kind of collaborative, you can, um, if it's a panel interview, you can make sure that you talk to each person, you're making eye contact with them. Um, so I think one of the things that when you're in a video conference is a little bit harder is you want to look forward, but you actually need to look up wherever your camera is. And so I put like a little post-it up there to draw my attention up there to make sure that I was making video eye contact um, instead of like looking down because it's much easier to do that. And so different little things like that can be really helpful. And um, 
I actually like to call them essential skills, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have any of those skills, where it's going to be harder to progress in our career. So these are skills that are really fundamental for career progression as well. Absolutely. And let, let's talk now about your journey. Um, so four years, you did some in stealth. Um, how did you transition out of stealth? And then what was your approach in your search? Yeah, so in 2019, I decided, um, you know, I, I think that this school year is going to be my um, upcoming to probably close to my last school year um, as a teacher. And I really mm -hmm. want to start switching out. And so how could I, what would I do to actually like, not just be liking a post or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided that I would join uh, an organization, Women in Cybersecurity, um, mm -hmm. WESIS. And mm -hmm. so I joined them. And then very shortly after I joined, they put out a call that said, we're looking to start a new committee on resources and we're looking for people who'd be willing to help our this this new committee um, research things and provide information about those resources that they find mm -hmm. and so i thought to myself hmm, this this could actually be something i could help with and so i applied to help with that committee and so i that committee spun up late 2019 early 2020 and I felt like that was my first venture into actually being an independent contributor mm -hmm. uh, in cybersecurity. And then later on, like I said, I applied to speak at the Day of Security Conference. So that was in March of 2020. And so I, same thing, I kind of thought to myself, hmm, I've been speaking at conferences for years. Why don't I take a chance and try this? And it's it's a little scary, right? You're you're taking a chance. You may get rejected. Um, you may have nothing come of it, or you try it and you find out. Oh, I, I got accepted. It did work. And so that that's kind of what I would try to do. I would try to look for like little chances I could take, and then I would also do kind of what I mentioned earlier. I I would try whenever possible to not just connect with someone on LinkedIn, I would send a note. I would say, hey, I'm Megan. This is who I am. Uh, I'd love to, um, if you have time, have a 15-minute virtual coffee chat uh, and talk about this. Like, And I would make it short but specific. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that is really valuable because then people know where you're coming from. They know that you've actually looked at their LinkedIn profile. So it's not like I was generically copying and pasting. As I, said, I would say something specific about them. Mm -hmm. And then they know where you want to go with the conversation. So that makes it a fairly high value conversation. And I would always try to go from a perspective of sharing value, adding value. Not, not that I was like, oh, can you give me this? Can you give me that? Like, I, I would really try to not ask for anything um, other than, is there anyone else you think would be good to connect me to? So other than, other than that, especially in the first conversation, I would not like ask for anything. I would I would really try to keep it. Um, let's get to know each other. Let's have a conversation. Maybe we really click and can do some collaboration on research, or maybe we really click and you know you have an idea and I have an idea and that can come to something. And so I think all of those things really spiraled together um, because then I met um, Ashwin and then he introduced me to Leah McLean and then that's how I got started at Cyber Future Foundation. So it was really one introduction after another introduction after mm -hmm. another introduction. And then at um, Dave Security, uh, I met a number of people, one of them, um, Alan Liska. And so then he was at Recorded Future 
And so he posted the post about the role that I'm in now. And so I reached out to him and was like, hey, can I ask you a few questions about that? And he's like, sure, let's chat about it. Um, and so then um, when I was applying, like he said, oh, you can put down my name because then, you know, it's like a reference. Mm -hmm. um, and so one, like, it's like one conversation leads to another conversation and all of that can build up to you being what I like to think of as being known in security. So it's really hard to take on a new person in security if you've never met them you don't know them, they don't know you, they don't know anyone you know, um, versus the more you are a known quantity, the more people can say, oh yeah, I've heard about Megan before, she she did this, this, and this, or oh, I can go to her LinkedIn page and look up one of her talks she gave. Oh, I know the Diana Initiative, I saw she gave a talk there, I also gave a talk there. And so you need to start ingraining yourself in the community because you're part of it, you're, you're contributing, yep. and then, once you're really seen as part of the community, then it's much easier to get a job in the community. Yeah. And I think I love the approach of providing value because oftentimes um, I'll get like random LinkedIn requests, like here's my resume and can I have a job? And I admit I've earlier in my career, I did some of that and realized that it doesn't work very quickly. So um, it's having that conversation, building that rapport and building that connection over time because it's not going to happen overnight. Um, uh, one of the questions from our audience is, uh, are there any good platforms to learn cybersecurity for someone trying to uh, get in and make that career change? Yeah, so this is going to 100% depend on what you want to do. A lot of the platforms out there are like Try Hack Me. Um, and so if you want to do more of like a red team, um, where you are actually breaking into things, that's going to be really good for it. Um, but I really like, um, there's two different platforms I can think of. So one is CyberSN, um, and they have just a really good breakdown of different roles in um, cybersecurity. So if you go there, um, and then, yeah. So if you literally go there and you just scroll down and I'll post this in our chat, um, you can see that they have a whole bunch of different um, jobs posted in the mm -hmm. sense of like types of jobs. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about the way they break it down is they talk about the skills behind them and they talk about the technology needed. And then they even kind of say like, this is related to this and this. And so um, I think it's really helpful to think about what type of skills you might need to build up and upskill um, in order to get to where you want to go. So like you mentioned this earlier, like just kind of doing some, uh, keeping that in mind, backwards planning of what do I want to end as? And so if you know that, then you'll know what kind of skills you want to build up. Um, I personally curate um, a whole set of different things and I can post this. Um, let's see. Yeah, we can um, we can definitely type it in the comments. Um, so let's talk about the active interviewing or the active applying that you did. Uh, what was your approach to that? Was it a shotgun approach, a sniper approach, or a little bit of both? I'd say it was much more the the sniper. It was very targeted. Um, I looked at roles I was specifically interested in, and I also looked for. Um, places where I was like, I either 
have met someone who works here or I know someone who knows someone. And then I would try and do that introduction. So I didn't actually apply for that many places. Like I know I hear of people who apply for like 300 jobs, 500 jobs, et cetera. Um, I, I really did not. I think I applied um, for just a handful. Um, and then I would really network and connect with people who were working there. And so I found that that was very useful um, for me, like as opposed to doing the, um, you know, LinkedIn or Indeed apply. Uh, I would actually talk to someone who worked there and then after getting to know them say, hey, I saw this role was open. Um, can you tell me about it? So I didn't ask, here's my resume. I said, can you tell me about, like, what? what's your experience working at the company? What's your experience? Um, do you know anything about this role? Or maybe they were even the person who posted it. Oh, I saw you posted this role. Um, I, I was hoping to hear a few more details about it. And so that's how I would begin the conversation as opposed to, oh, I saw you posted this role. Here's my resume. Um, and so I felt like that situated itself a little bit better. And then eventually, um, after a few rounds of conversing, it would be like, oh, you know, I, I think I'm really interested in that role. What would you recommend I do next? And then they would say, oh, send me your resume. I'll send it to the hiring manager. Or I know that, like, I am the hiring manager. Or <laughs> yeah. And so I felt that that way, I was really making sure that my resume always made in front of people, um, as opposed to the applicant tracking system, the ATS. And a lot of people, um, like, like, you know, Phil Wiley, he has a great story about how he was applying for a role that he was very qualified for, um, right? He's, he's a really qualified cybersecurity professional. And he didn't make it because he did it through their online portal. And this was like a couple years ago. And so he was applying for two different roles. And he got the one role because he knew someone um, and they, they gave his resume to the hiring manager. And then the other role, he just did it the digital way and he got the standard, you know, we're sorry, you have not met the requirements for this role. Like, right. Like the email's not even from a person. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's a, that's a really big thing um, to keep in mind. One other question, since you brought up Try Hack Me, how do you feel that employers have responded to um, using that platform? I, I have a, a comment that I'll share after I hear your response. Sure. Um, so that's that's a really interesting question, and it really depends on who the employer is. Um, so I'm going to speak from a U.S. perspective, um, and I'm going to speak from the perspective of someone who's lived on both coasts of the United States. So I feel that from what I've seen, West Coast and East Coast are very different in the United States of America. And that the East Coast seems to really very much so more so prioritize having certifications and especially if you're looking for a government role, it's mandatory. Um, so it will often be written into um, it, that you need to have CEH or you need to have Security Plus or whatnot. And that's actually part of the funding for that role. So the way the role gets written um, and funded says we need someone to have um, a bachelor's degree and these certifications and then they'll get this level um, on the G scale. Um, and so that's like a very rigid um, set of the systems, right? That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes those can be waived for very extenuating circumstances, but at that point you're usually really, really established in the field. So it's not like you'd be taking security plus anyways. 
Then West Coast companies, um, a lot of them seem to be fine with just proof of concept. So have you used um, different systems? What have you taught yourself? Have you built um, a virtual private cloud of VPC and set up a LAMP? And then what did you do with it? Do you have a home lab where you're investigating things? Did you do um, OSINT trace labs and you participated on a team and um, you did some sort of thing? Did you do the US cyber challenge? Did you do NCL? Um, so different things like that. And the same thing though, it's gonna depend on, is that even relevant to the role you're looking for? Um, so I haven't seen as much weight placed on like try hack me or hack the box for things. Um, so I think they're good for personal professional development, if that phrasing makes sense. Like, okay, I'm curious about this and I want to learn this, but a lot of it is, um, especially with some of them, like the, the way to get into them is already written up online. And so it's harder for the organization to know from a proof of concept standpoint, did you actually do this or did you follow some step-by-step -step instructions you found? Um, and so I, I think it's good for just personal curiosity, but I don't really think a lot of companies place that much stock in, in that. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too, Chris. Well, uh, not so my thoughts, but um, I was just on the pre-banter show for uh, Black Hills Information Security and John Strand was actually sharing his point of view and how he looks at it as a point of curiosity that you're looking to do this outside of work, not being forced to do it for their personal um, enjoyment, but also using it as a way to, to grow their skills. And not all of them you could do write-ups on. We all, uh, IPSEC was also on it, sharing his story of creating it. And um, so fr from that approach, Yes, companies want to see that curiosity. Um, so it's less about how far you got, but the fact that you're doing it, that you're putting in that extra effort. And yes, it will be more weighted for um, roles where you have to do that pen testing or mm -hmm. um, application security so that to show the employer that you do understand those vulnerabilities or how to secure them. Um, and one of the recommendations I give for individuals in, in line with your proof of concept idea is create your own write-up, create your own analysis of those that you're allowed to do um, write-ups for. So if you if it's a pen testing one, now you create an incident response write-up. How would you secure it? How would you mitigate it? So that you could show employers, you know the opposite side of the coin as well. Um, but yeah, th those are, that, that was just my quick insight that I learned from John Strand on that. So I wanted to share it as well, since it was freshly relevant in the last half hour. Um, <laughs> so we, we have, we're we over our 30 minute mark. This conversation has just been um, amazing. If you had to summarize your experience into one piece of sage advice for um, anyone, especially teachers looking to transition into cyber, what, what would that one piece of advice be? So this goes back to something I said a little bit earlier, but I would say become known. Um, so obviously you want to protect your privacy, <laughs> um, but you also need to be aware as a career pivoter that your name is not associated with cybersecurity at all. And so how can you fix that? You you need to actually go out there and take those chances and be aware it will be a little bit hard, a little bit scary sometimes, um, but you know you need to kind of keep 
pushing back against that and um, keep trying things and, and iterating and, and learning from the things that you're doing. But um, all in all is to to be known. And, and there's plenty of people out there like myself, like Chris, like Renee, who will very willingly cheer you on and celebrate your successes. And if you fall down, because you will, um, will help pick you back up. So you're, you're um, less in the mud than you are. And, um, you know, kind of figure out, I know I said more than one, but uh, figure out a way to surround yourself with that, that crowd that will be cheering you on, because I think that that is incredibly important as well. Absolutely. And that, that's one of the things that I do love about this community that um, earlier in my career, it's been very helpful and giving. So I wanted to continue to give back as well. Um, and Megan, thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciate you coming on and sharing your tips and tricks from your journey from teacher to cyber analyst. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, 100%. Happy to share and happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and cheer you on as well, too. Uh, send me your, your profile in the chat and I'll paste it um, on all the channels for you. Um, thanks, everyone. If you're joining us on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well as the notification button. So you hear the next time we come on, follow Megan, myself, as well as the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast on LinkedIn, uh, as well as YouTube and share on any of your favorite platforms for podcasts. Uh, for those looking to break in as well. Thank you very much and have a great day. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.